Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. Welcome back to The Daily Sales Show. We're so glad that you're joining us on your Friday, January 12th. Like, where is time gone, right? Are you the same way, Jill? Are you like, how has it been two weeks? It's still 2023 in my mind. Sometimes 2022. Sometimes 2020. So never know. It's great. We just pick a day. Um, join on in the chat. Make sure you switch your chat to everyone in that little blue box at the bottom of your chat bubble so we can see where you're tuning in from. Today, we are talking about how to increase your cold email reply. Jill is like highly requested guest on the Sell Better show. She always breaks it down for us in like the best way. I love talking with you. You guys are all in for such a treat today talking to Jill. So thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you for that intro. I'm honored. I am so glad to be back and ready to rock and roll. We have a lot to share today. I'm excited. No, me too. We're going to dive in in just a minute. But really quick, if this is your first show with us here, we do this every single day, same time, same place. You can check out our entire list of shows at sellbetter.xyz or by scanning that nice little QR code on your screen. The way that we do this free for you every day is our fabulous partners. Today's sponsored by Gong and Exactly. Um, also, if you have been seeing some scary things about email going around, like bulk email, Gmail, that sort of thing, we have an awesome guide that Gong put together, hot off the press. Um, they wrote a guide on how to reach out. It's in the chat there. You can uh, take a peek and it will help de-scary some of the scary. <laughs> Today's agenda, we're going to be talking about effective cold email, how to be relevant, and um, that idea of relevance versus personalization. And I want to see who's in the room if we could do that. And while we're doing that, Jill, can you just talk to me a little bit? I know it's kind of a, a debated topic, this idea of relevance versus personalization. What works best in your opinion? What do you see? What do you feel around relevance versus personalization? So one perspective to think about this is relevance. You're trying to sell something. We're all here to work, right? Relevance has to tie into that business use case where I've noticed personalization could be anything. Where did you go to school? Where did you live? What do we have in common? Not for nothing, we can have a thousand things in common that has nothing to do with my ability to sell to you or my ability to determine if you're a prospect that I should even want to sell to. So I think it's really easy to get the two confused. And the oldest example is, oh, hey, I see you went to college at XYZ. Great. You know what? Buy my software. What does college, my alma mater, have anything to do with your potential offering? So that's where I feel like wires can get really mixed. To be fair, if done and executed correctly, you can blend them beautifully to tie that relevant into your research. Because again, relevance can't shine without proving I know who you are, your pain points, what keeps you up at night. So you got to marry them in a good way. Otherwise, you're wasting precious words, which hint, hint, might be one of my tips. You only get so much time to speak and write write things out. So you have to use every word very widely. I love it. Beautiful. Okay, so you gave a hint towards your tips. Um, why don't we just dive in? I want to start like you have this awesome list here for us. I'm going to put it up on the screen. 
Everyone who's watching, if you would like to take a screenshot of this, you can. You will also get the recording to your inbox. If you have questions at any time, there's a Q&A bubble at the bottom of your Zoom controls, and you can stick all the questions you'd like in there. I'll help um, facilitate that over to Jill. But Jill, run us through some of these things to focus on when we're talking about cold outreach. Absolutely. So this might be applicable for all 10 pieces to you. Maybe it's just a few. So I want you to really absorb this list and don't try to do everything at once for yourself. Be kind, but let's try to focus on one or two as we ease into it. But really just at that starting point, let's have a subject line. That's what SL stands for. Number one, you know, let's shoot for two words. No numbers. Let's keep it. We don't want to look like spam. We don't want to seem like that used car salesman ad. Short and sweet, but enough so that they understand. What's this email about? Why are they going to open it? And also, you want to keep it at that third to fifth grade reading level, which I know is probably funny to some of you guys thinking like, oh, geez, why would you want to do that? You can actually scare certain prospects away the higher up you go because you might be using acronyms, lingo, terminology that they don't know. I actually got something like that for me the other day and it was in sales. And I was like, 10 years in sales? I don't know what you're talking about. So <laughs> I think you don't realize that not everybody is on that same pace in, in lingo that, that you might be practicing. And this is the biggest one, which is to avoid long sentences. It's so easy to add in words like just this, those little filler words, scratch it, you know, reread and reread and reread. You can't proofread enough. But there's definitely words in your sentences that you can cut out, you know, certain words to make it shorter. And if you're going to look and you're going to see your sentence, it's probably trailing to that second line, probably too long. Um, and also, uh, having a PS at the end of the email is actually getting a lot of really great results, too. So add that little note. I also think this is a good area if you want to bring in humor, you know, bring your personality, be authentic. You don't need to be so serious professional always, not always so, so serious. Have fun with your PS. And act that you have a level of, you know, you're you're unsure. You're curious. Yes, you should know your persona. Yes, you should know your product. You should know those pain points, but you also don't want to assume every single person is going through the same thing. So that's where be very, very curious and make sure that that's going to come out because then that's the open conversation of, Let's make sure we're helping each other together. Always be curious. And side note, in your entire career, whether you're writing an email or looking for professional advice or guidance, sorry, Leslie, going off topic, be curious about everything. That is where you are going to find your most growth all the time. So always be curious. And then be happy. I know sometimes it's hard to convey when you're writing. So don't overthink it too much. But, you know, again, get a proofreading um, with yourself or to somebody else and don't don't be grumpy. Sometimes I think it is easy to, you know, try to avoid long sentences and then you want to balance, but don't sound grumpy. So, you know, just make sure you're using words that wouldn't make you sound like you're not happy to be here or, you know, you're not enjoying your job. Life is too short to be miserable. Let's all have fun, right? And also number seven is let's aim for some hedge words. What are hedge words you might ask? Oh, I'd love to tell you. So these are going to be words that are going to kind of lead in with that curious aspect as well. You know, may, would, should, possible, might, seem, suggest, indicate, words along that line. And what I like about that is it's going to buy you a little bit of fluff in the sense you're not being end-all, be-all, you know things. 
it's a suggestion and then you're able to guide people in the right direction without making it seem forceful. So I think that's really important. And then also, you know, it's funny, it's a zero to 50 words. I probably should have, you don't want to write an email with zero words, right? But up to 50 words. And also, uh, you know, what's the rule of thumb if somebody's reading on their cell phone, no more than one or two finger swipes? Nobody, what is it? TLDR, too long, didn't read. Nobody has time for that. I'm actually trying to do that with my LinkedIn posts more because sometimes I write these novels and I'm like, I wouldn't want to read that. So why am I posting it? You know, let's keep it really just short, sweet to the point, because like I mentioned, you only have so much real estate to take up there. You only get so much time on the phone whenever you're trying to communicate. So that's where I feel like, again, number three, which is probably the most important on this list in my perspective, avoid those long sentences, because if you could chop out words, you're just going to hike down closer to that number of 50. Uh, and yeah, 15 seconds to read. That also ties in with the number two of the third grade reading level. You know, we're not here to trick anybody or to outsmart people. Let's just do our jobs really well. And then, oh, geez, number 10, I hope this goes without saying, let's use proper grammar. And I know there are some people out there that believe in lower cases. Don't use punctuation. It makes you seem real. I don't know. I'm just not that person. I think if you don't have grammar, if I receive those messages, I feel like the individual was probably rushed. Doesn't make me feel special. I don't feel important. And, you know, just proper capitalization and grammar. And there's so many free tools that'll give you that nice red squiggly line if you have to check some things out. So that's my 10 suggestions. And I do want to give a very unsolicited PSA to Lavender. They actually helped inspire that list for me. My team recently started using it and not a paid ad. I just want to say I enjoy the product and they can get a lot of tips and tricks for you, such as that list. So again, shout out to Lavender. Shout out. Um, there's a lot of talk about the PS in the chat over here. So I want to go back to that number four, including a PS at the end. What are some of the things that you like? Do you have a couple of examples of a PS, even if it's a topic or a theme or something you've used in the past for yourself? So this is where I was saying you have to have fun. There's no right or wrong. Your PS could be related to a promotion. Uh, P.S. I want to, you know, invite you to this. P.S. Uh, thought you might like this article. P.S. I thought you might want to register. So you can still keep it maybe not related to that email, but like a little, hey, still thinking of you. I think you'd love this case study. Or that's where it could be fun. Like, P.S. I noticed we did go to the same college. Like I went to West Virginia. Go Mountaineers. I think that's where you could do some of the non-relevant personalization just to highlight some commonalities because we're in sales. People buy from people they like. And there are certain times where that can go a long way when used appropriate. Do not start your email with it. Do not have that be your attention grabber. But if that's going to be your friendly PS at the end, that's fine. Because in some capacity, that's also just going to show the individual you did your homework and, you know, you cared enough to say, like, I had some person, I, I love my dog. I have a beautiful golden retriever. And one day somebody was like, you know, PS, I saw you have a golden too. So do I. And I was like, see? Now you're my, my, my new best friend because I love golden retrievers too, but have fun with it. And also A-B test it. I'm not here to say what's going to work for you and your ICP. Have fun. A-B test it, but track your results. An A-B test is only as good as the data you use to get better or, you know, squash things that aren't working, but fun. I, I don't really know if this is more question. Does that, does that help? Yeah, definitely did. I really love like your call out there that you're not using the personalization to like bait and switch somebody. It's like, hey, we went to school together by my software. It's 
hey, here's all of the things that are the reasons I'm reaching out to you. By the way, we went to school together. You know, I think it's like a much better, it's not as a, not as in your face, salesy, bait and switchy, like we were talking about. Beautiful. Um, the other thing that I just like that really stood out to me were those hedge words. And uh, could you just really quickly one more time kind of talk about some of those examples of hedge words? It's a way to to have some flexibility to allow them to say like, yes, that pertains to me or no, it doesn't. But here's what does. Can you give examples again of those hedge words? Yeah, absolutely. And I have my cheat sheet here. So I will read off every single one that I prepped for you. Uh, but the list that I prepared, they include words like may, would, possible, could, might, suggest, seem, assume, indicate, and should. And what I like about these words is they can be a soft, a softer approach in the sense of, oh, this could be a possible solution for the problem we talked about. You're not promising the world, but you're suggesting this could be a possibility or these results might indicate this problem. And this is where our solution comes in. So you, again, are leading from expertise, but you're not here to, to make somebody feel small. I think that's where sometimes problems can arise where it's, I know you're doing this wrong because I speak with leaders and they're doing it wrong too. Like, whoa, like, right. Let's not have, let's not be too aggressive. Right. But I think those words help soften the blow and they also help uh, scale your credibility because you want to be that consulting approach of, listen, I'm your friend. I want to help you. And this is what I've noticed. Like, let's talk about it. And it also allows them to chime in to course correct you and then they'll get their guard down more. And that's where they can start sharing more. That's what it's all about is build trust and they will just explode with probably half your qualifying questions. So that's the nice part. It, le- it lets that guard down. It makes me feel less defensive um, when those hedge words get included because I don't want to I don't want to be told I'm wrong. I mean, I'll come along and share my challenges with you if you if you have that conversation and make me feel safe and comfortable. But as soon as it's like accusatory that is when you're getting those people who put up those walls. I did get a request for the slide. One more time, I'm going to stick that up here. And Jill, I would love to just jump in. You have three examples for us. Can you walk us through? I'm going to give one more second for a screenshot here if you need it. You're also you're getting, the rec- <laughs> you're getting the recording too. But here, let's talk about a couple of these examples. Can you walk us through these? Yeah. So this was a couple examples I pulled from sequences that my team is using right now. So this is Uh, an outbound email that we're doing. And it's talking about the usage we've noticed over the last few weeks, several people from your company, they're using Rocker Reach, a plan with limitations. Worth chatting about how your org is using contact data and ways to improve results. So it's just short, it's sweet, it's calling out the relevance in the team's usage. Also, there is that softer approach like we've been talking about where they might not know, I'm not accusing them of anything, I'm just simply calling out your team is doing this, let's chat about it. Because this is also towards individuals who perhaps might not be a user themselves. So this really is a cold email. I'm just in a position to use relevance that, hey, this is what your team is doing. Are you aware? Let's chat through it. And just for clarification for everyone listening, you are part of a PLG motion, correct? Correct. Yes. So we have a lot of free users that we do go after. However, a lot of them are individual contributors. And of course, we want to spend our time with decision makers. So all of the decision makers, which is part of this sequence right here, it is pure cold outbound. I just, again, have 
the privilege of knowing that some of their organization has signed up. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, let's do another one. Cool. Um, so this was, I believe it was a bump email or I'm sorry, a reply email to the previous, which was, hey, you know, most people who sign up, they're struggling with accuracy with their current provider or they want to test data before making a purchase, which resonates most since your team is signing up. So again, I'm suggesting two reasons why they are likely signing up and I'm asking if it resonates. So that way, again, I'm trying to gauge through their interest and also just sparking their interest more because I still have in the back of my mind, they might have no idea who I am. Yeah. Um, I. It's really interesting because I think this also leads back to that idea you dropped before about how sometimes people want to correct. So even if neither of these resonate, they might still feel compelled to reply to this email and be like, oh, no, no, none of that. This is why. <laughs> and I'm actually really glad that you brought that up because Part of that's actually in our outbound script is we lead with the two most popular reasons we hear. And granted, the way that we sell, we're not an overly robust, complicated system. So there's only so many reasons people do need to come for us. They're important reasons, but they're limited. And then I always have in the back pocket two other reasons. So I actually have four. So I can be, oh, that's so exciting. That's not, you know, those are not challenges for you today. What about this or that? And then if you get a no, then, okay, <laughs> cut your losses. You have for, you know, somebody who is probably just going to say everything's perfect either way. But right. my advice is have maybe, you know, two more tucked away for, for your use. Okay, one more example here. Here we go. So this is going to be uh, what we were talking about with personalization and relevance. Like, hi, I saw your post about increasing, increasing call connects and email replies. Worth chatting about ways Rocket Reach can help. So really short, really sweet. And it's just, you know, reminding them, I saw you, I saw what you posted, and it's related to the content, and I have a solution for a pain point they openly shared. There's something magical about, um, especially someone who's writing and putting something out there, like seeing it and noticing it, because immediately when someone references something, I'm like, yes, I did write that, and someone actually looked at it. Like, thank you. <laughs> My impression Cal was worth it. Absolutely. Right. No, I feel I feel validated. I feel seen. Right. It's. I think that's such a great way to show someone that you're you're listening. You hear them. You're showing up. But this is still like short, sweet, super easy. I can read it all on one screen. Less than fifteen seconds. It's hitting all the rolls. Beautiful. Um, reminder: If you have questions, if you could pop them in the Q and A section. I do want to get to this next piece too. And I know we've got whole bunch of screenshotable slides for everyone today. So get get your uh, get your screen grab ready. Um, you and I have talked about these 10 C's and it's always just like sticking right there in my brain. I think this is something that's really good way to like check off and go through and just do a, a self audit. Can you talk to me about some of these? Like what stands out most to you? What are you most focused on this year? Yes, absolutely. So this is a reminder that I take every single one of my SDRs, I train them during their onboarding process, and I'll also integrate this in at least quarterly if I can. This is a reminder to help guide you towards the success I highlighted with those addition, the, the previous 10 points. So is your email clear? Ask yourself that. Can you understand it? Can you interpret it? What, what reading level are you at? Make sure it's not so crazy. And is it concise? Are you able to, and this is, I think, really important when you're answering questions. Have you thoroughly answered every question? 
while also getting in a question that you yourself want to ask. But again, it's still brief, comprehensive, but you've addressed every single point. I can't tell you how much frustration it caused if somebody, you know, you ask a question or even me, sometimes I'm sorry, I'm the worst prospect. I'll ask five questions and I get one answer back and I'm like, but I asked four other things. Don't blow it over because now I feel ignored. So, you know, answer everything. (laughs) Um, And also, again, is it complete? Do you have a a fully completed email? And is it correct? This is back into some of that grammatical piece. And, you know, is it fact or truth? I hate when, and that kind of ties into number six, credible. Like, I'm going to get you a million percent, you know, ROI. Like, sometimes you see numbers and you're like, that's not true. Like, nobody has a magic wand that's going to find me an additional $500 million in pipeline per month. I wish. Yeah, let's be a lot. But let's not be too extreme. And that's where always be prepared if you throw numbers, statistics, anything out there that you can back it up. Because I know I call people out. I'll be like, oh, can you share with me that 50% whatever? If they can't, I know instantly because they're a deer in headlights. So again, be correct, be credible. Um, And also consider it. Again, just don't be, don't be rude. You know, be kind, especially for cold messaging. They're not expecting it to you. So let's be, let's be good people. Uh, And that also ties in with the courteous as well. Let's be polite, be respectful. Even if they are not to you, take the high road because catch somebody on a bad day. That's their problem. It's not yours. That doesn't ever mean you have to stoop to a level beneath your own worth. So you'll sleep at night knowing you are the courteous one, even if people are not kind to you back. Um, And then again, conversational. Let's not be robots. We are all humans. Let's act like humans. Be your authentic self and just be real. Nobody wants to feel that you're that scripted, robotic, used car salesman. Like, come on. We're, we're in a new year. Let's, let's not have that. Oh, geez. All these chats went over my slide. Okay, now I can say. Uh, last two, um, you know, concrete, specific, and then coherent. You know, is it logical? Is it, in, you know, is it consistent? So, these are my 10 C's that I am really excited and happy to share with you. I hope that, you know, at least something stuck for one of you guys. And, you know, next time you're writing an email, proofread it. Use one of those tactics. Yeah, it's like a good checklist to just make sure that it, I feel like it also helps you align with your own values too, right? Like there's a lot in here that you're just like, am I doing all these things? Okay, check. I feel good about this. We have a couple questions that I would love your take on. Um, Mar asks, what's your feeling around sending an email that feels more like a letter to a friend than something buttoned up polished? It depends. Is this going to be your first email to a prospect? Or is this somebody that you've gone back and forth with, that you've built a relationship with, or you know, a client you've worked with for years? I think that you're able to get more casual the more you know somebody, because let's call it out, they're judging you less because they already know your character at that point. Um, And I'll throw out an example that's a little different, but tied in like, I hope all is well. Never, ever put that in your first email. You don't know them. But if you know somebody and you know it was the holidays and, you know, they had a big celebration or something was going on because you have a, a relationship with them, like, I hope the party went well. I hope your first holiday with your baby went well. Like, that is appropriate because you know them, not just the blind, hey, hope all is well. You probably don't. You don't know me. So, um, but also test it. And I know as far as casual versus over professional is sometimes people always write, hi, name, or hey, name. Hey is much more casual than hi, believe it or not. So that can just A, B, test it. Have a template that's more casual, a template that's a bit more buttoned up, 
let your data do the talking. It really is going to depend on your ICP. Yeah. And regions too, right? Like that, especially that intro, like it can be so different depending on what region. Um, okay. Elizabeth says, do you think it's a good idea to try to use emojis in a subject line? Oh, hot topic. So we have tested it. And I would say I read a lot of articles on this. It's usually frowned upon. And that is because of the spam triggers. We all know spam companies are thriving off of crushing our dreams and putting us in that spam mailbox. So I'm not an email expert. I'm not here to pretend that I'm more than I am. I just feel like that might be triggering certain spam notifications when you're that cold email, especially when you're breaking through to that email for the first time, because that's the hardest one to get through as opposed to, oh, we've exchanged domains before. However, I've seen it like I love it. I get a lot of newsletters and I know like I love GB. Um, if any of you guys know Gabrielle Black, I love her to death. She's the best. And she has, I think, basketballs in her subject line. And I'm like, yes, it hit my inbox. Like, let me read GB's newsletter. So again, not that we're talking about newsletters. I think that's when it's impactful, when it's something to jump out and stick out. But A-B test it. You gotta, you gotta A-B test. Yeah, I saw something recently along those same lines where it could flag someone as a marketing instead of yeah. like a like an internal something they should open. We only have a couple minutes left, so a few more questions. Garrett asks, any suggestion on ways to add relevancy when reaching out to private companies? I sell software development services and companies' product roadmaps are not public. So when you can't find any info on someone, any ways that you've seen make it more relevant to them. Listen, it's hard. The hardest part is finding the personalization. There's a lot of AI tools. I suggest you look into them because it's hard to do manually when you're trying to have velocity and scale. Obviously, check LinkedIn first, but let's pretend they're not on LinkedIn. Now what? You know, go to their go to their CEO. Has their CEO done something that you are getting a sense of the vibe of the company that it could, you know, then you can share with your your ICP or your prospect? Is there something on the website, their careers page, a blog, a case study? Uh, hashtags that they're following. What are they, they're, if they have a company LinkedIn page, what is that page liking, interacting with? Same again with that C-suite or, you know, maybe again, not knowing your ICP, a, a level above them, but not yet at the C-suite. So look for other relevance and individuals that are going to matter to them. Because if somebody came to me and said, hey, Jill, I noticed your CEO shared something about X, Y, and Z, you know, seems like you work for a great company. And then somehow that tied into the relevance. I'd be like, oh, okay. Like, I know him. That's my CEO. You know. Yeah. So you just kind of have to take it that step further. And when in doubt, find industry specifics. If there's going to be something for that industry, uh, a report, a trend analysis, that could be your your last string. Yeah. Great Nothing call. Else. Great call. Uh, Michael asks, "What's your favorite call to action in a first email?" Um, I don't want the hard demo. If it's inbound, I go straight for the "Hey, let's book a demo" because they probably want one. But if it's going to be outbound, they're not expecting your your call. So that's where, you know, is this worth chatting about? Are you open to a discussion? You know, which resonates more with you? Just getting more of like try to shoot for an open ended answer instead of, you know, always that yes or no. I know sometimes it could be challenging, but spike curiosity because as curious as you want to be, your goal is to build your prospects curiosity in you and your product. Like, mm. you know, how does that sound? Would that impact you positively? Okay, there's a lot of where you said that. I want to I just want to like revisit the way you said that and it's like we're we're looking to spark their curiosity in what we're offering. What a beautiful way to say that. 
I don't even remember how I said it. I always do that. I get excited. I'm like, what did I say? <laughs> it was great. So beautiful. Okay, last one. Last question here. Hi. Um, okay. Are there, oh, Bennett asks, are there any other factors aside from the content of the email that increase response rates? Things like starting with other channels or touch points, anything else that you see that's impacting besides response rates, besides content of the email? I mean, it could be the multi-channel approach. Again, you have to A-B test everything, but you should see, you know, are you getting better results on a second email after a first one was sent? Are you getting better results after a call, after a call with or without a voicemail, after a LinkedIn connection, after a LinkedIn connection with a no, after a LinkedIn no, after you've already connected? I know I'm throwing a lot of scenarios out there, but that's what you have to see is what's going to bump. What are they reading first? And what's the most popular channel that you are going to be getting that response is? Because I can't tell you how often, like for us, for some reason, we don't do well on LinkedIn. We really, we don't. We do better once we throw our calendar invite in there. But we've noticed, though, after the LinkedIn effort, that's when email replies come in. Mm -hmm. So that's just something that we've noticed. And now we know how to adjust our sequences accordingly. So it's not 8,000 LinkedIn steps where we know we're not getting meetings from. But again, it could be bumping up the other channels. I do have one more thing. Very last minute. Um, I would love everyone's thoughts here. How much do you all have control over your own outbound sequences? Can you do anything you want outbound? Do you need manager approval? Does your company write all the outbound messaging? Let us know. Um, would love to hear your take on that. We, again, have a show every single day. Um, you can check us out at sellbetter.xyz. On Monday, James Buckley and Junior are talking about more cold email subject lines. So if that was part of your questions here, um, just like that last one, that would be a really great one to check out. Jill, most people here have full control over their sequence. Any last minute tips for them? Yes, for the billionth time, A, B, test everything. And do not edit a template. If you want to try something new, you have to create a new template. Otherwise, you're compromising your results. So I have sequences. I have 10 templates where eight of them are turned off. Always turn something off if it's not working. Start something new because you want to be able to compare back to that original template because if you edit it, you're not going to know what's really adjusting it, the first version or the second version. So use your data, A, B, test, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, however many letters you can, test everything. I love that. Thank you, as always, for sharing all of your tips and your goodies with us. It was so wonderful to hear from you. Thanks for joining in. Thank you so much for having me. Everybody have a wonderful rest of your weekend and we'll see you next week. Yes. And if you would like, find me on LinkedIn. If you have any oh, yeah. questions, I would love to continue the conversation. I believe it's just Jill Bruno. It's so. in the chat too. Oh, so you can awesome. grab Jill's LinkedIn there. Thank Thanks, you. everyone. Bye. Bye.